Now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. All right, and then welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic Show, TalkZone.com. Thank you so much for joining us after a busy sports weekend. Hope you had a great weekend out there. Sports and or otherwise, Coach of the Big Dog with you right up until 11 o'clock. Another week of semi-award-winning programming here on the TalkZone.com. Let's listen to a little tune. It's courtesy of our producer, uh, David Olson, on the other side of the glass. Then we'll get the show started. Solid, solid weekend of NFL football. One of the better Sundays that it ain't over yet because we got uh, what appears to be a pretty good Monday night marquee matchup between our very own Chicago Bears and the Philadelphia Eagle fans. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles, I should say. If there's any Philadelphia Eagle fans out there, we'd love to do a little, do a, do a little uh, partay, a little back and forth. What do they call it in fencing? A little... Uh, Oh, there's a word I'm missing. Better back and forth. You want to give us a call, Philadelphia Eagle fans, trash talk a little bit, we'll fire right back at you. 888-463-6748. Quality college football as well. We had the Breeders' Cup. <laughs> little interesting controversy. In the, well, not controversy, but a little, uh, call it a uh, human note between the jockeys that finished in first and second place in the big race. I got a little auto racing to talk about, a little Blackhawk hockey as the Hawks get knocked over by off by Vancouver. We mentioned college football, big weekend of college football, also a little controversy that dated back uh, at least five to ten years. All kinds of things to talk about. We'll jump off the sports page as we normally do. I'm getting a thumbs up from David Olson, so either he says that's a good open, which I don't think that's what he's saying, or that, in fact, we have my co-partner, the big dog, Joe Redwanski, on the line. Big dog, how are you? Hopefully you had a good weekend, my friend. Uh, I had a phenomenal weekend. Outstanding. Uh, uh, got to do at least one tour, which was good on, on Saturday. Didn't get to do yesterday's because of the 25-mile-an-hour winds. I'm like, who cares if somebody goes in? It's the last day of the year. Let's have some fun. You know, so. Kayaking with the wind or canoeing with the wind, outstanding. Kayaking or canoeing against the wind, brutal. Oh, it's, it's bad. It really is. Brutal. Coach. It, it's, uh, I would rather, I would rather go head on into the water, like go against the current of the water, than go into a wind. I'm just honestly, yep. seriously. Yep. So that's that might seem like the opposite, but it's true. Mm-hmm. But it was an excellent weekend, Coach, and uh, I got a real productive Sunday, productive Saturday. A good weekend, Coach, and I'm ready for the Bears to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, now, paint a picture here. You got, I know you're all psyched, Monday night football, your Chicago Bears, 730. You got the United Nations living with you at home. You said people coming over for the game. Got a big party tonight, or are you kicking everybody else out and uh, going to watch the game solo? Uh, which this house just tends to be more than the people who live here watching football. People just tend to stop by and watch football with us, which is pretty cool. Like all the Ohio State fans come out of Ohio State games when Cloudy is over here. and You know, it's cool. But today is the last day of the year for the kayak tours, Coach, so I have to do a a workout. Uh And then I'm stuck in the city at that point. So I'm going to have to watch uh, the game Probably at the uh, motel bar because that's the closest place I can get to. The game would have already been started by the time I'm working. I recall it was a couple of weeks ago. You watched the game on your hand phone uh, at a Starbucks coffee, if memory serves me correct. Yeah, this is true. It was a Sunday night game. It was yep. the Bears uh, taking on the Vikings, and 
That mm-hmm. was pretty interesting event. But uh, that was it was uh, actually the Bears played so well that day. I probably was thinking about watching all the games from the handheld at that point. Cinemax Cindy, by the way, emailed in over the weekend. Uh, she said, "At first question, please ask Joel, did you go handheld this weekend or Palm Pilot?" I definitely I tr- trust me, Coach. I'm going Palm Pilot. Really? Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. Not good for me, Coach. Very nicely done. Congratulations, I think. No, no, it's <laughs> definitely it's, it's not good. Not good. Oh, that's too bad. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. My sympathies are with you. 888-463-6748. We talk sports and more here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. Joel Radwanski, better known to his female friends as the big dog with the coach here up until 11 o'clock talking, uh, some NFL football. We got an NFL, uh, round em up and wrap em up. Big dog. At, you know, I think I said the same thing about college football last weekend. Yesterday, arguably. Arguably top to bottom, the best weekend of NFL football yet. I guess you could argue that it was pretty darn good. Well, the the, the first set of games, the three o'clock, the one o'clock games, or the, what, the noon games, were okay. There was some, a couple good ones. There were some dogs in there, too. But what ended up happening on the three o'clock games, between 6 and 6.30, all it was was unbelievable finishes all over the NFL. I was watching uh, the game at the Tin Lizzie with the owner, Matt Butler, and he set up the back of the bar specifically for me, Coach. And we I had basically five football games in front of me. And, you know, I don't like to sit down when I'm actually outside. I just basically walk back and forth. There was nobody mm-hmm. in there. It's the Lions bar. And the Lions had the bye week. Okay. I went in there. I was like, this is the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. There was like <laughs> eight people in the whole entire bar, and seven of them were bartenders. I was like, yes, I'll, I'll have another Coors Light, please. That's not special. So... It was it was a good day to watch some football yesterday, Coach. And if the Bears were on, I wouldn't have been able to enjoy it like that. Because I'd have been, you know, belly up to the bar, grinding out every single play. One man, two bartenders to serve him, and five screens. That's 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 solid. Yeah, it was good. And then uh, people from that, you know, they got, I was just contacting my Chicago friends. Uh-huh. Hey, I'm stuck in the city all day long, so I was supposed to be working, but I'm not. So it was cool. I had people coming in to the Tim that I hadn't seen in years. I'm not kidding. Just stop by, Joel. It's good to see. You. So I had a real, real productive Sunday. And an extremely productive one for, there was a guy that you've met, Coach, Pablo Alvarez, and we're going to be doing some work together. So it's, I had a really, really good uh, Sunday yesterday. Excellent. Sounds like the future is bright for the big dog, Joel Redwanski. Glad everything went well all over the weekend. Hope of all of our listeners had equally optimistic weekends. And uh, I forgot to remind you, big dog, because there's been years previous when you've missed key games, key job appointments, because you forgot to turn back the clock, I'm assuming, you are now officially on. Uh, are we on daylight savings times, or are we all, we're on? Well, well, see, the, the one with this one is you end up getting to work an hour early. Okay, so it doesn't Which, hurt you as much. It's even worse. You yeah. know, you're out like till four in the morning. You're hurrying to get to work. You get there, and you're like, "Well, I'm going to slept for another hour." Yeah, that's worse than even being an hour late. I, yeah. Seriously, coach. Love the fact waking up this morning and trying to wake up my two teenage kids for school that it's lighter out. That's outstanding. I enjoy the brighter morning. However. As you know from previous years, Big Dog, this is one of my least favorite days of the year. I like to call it Black Monday because while things look bright and shiny now, come 5 o'clock today when all of a sudden it's pitch dark out and the realization this is going to be the way it's going to be for the next three, four months and that the onset of winter is not far away. I do, uh, if I'm off, I'll be okay today, but tomorrow's show, Wednesday's show, I might be down a little bit because depression tends to hit me. Coach, you just got to you got to bear with it. But it is you, know, you have to. You got to admit though, there's there is a different feeling when five o'clock hits and it is pitch dark out. It changes things. Well, I, I'm making it a point to try to go to bed earlier. That's something I'm going to do during this over the next couple of weeks, and and I'm going to try to wake up earlier to enjoy it. 
Coach, there's a reason we do this. So you got to remember, yes, it's bad now, but, you know, six months from now, it would be the exact opposite. We're yeah. getting so much more daylight. Yeah. So, hey, just look, it's not that big of a deal. And considering mm. it's not cold, uh, it's going to bother me when it's, uh, when it's 5 o'clock at night and it's dark and right. it's negative 5 degrees out right. and you try to go out and it's, you're, it's really nipply out, if you know what I'm talking which, about. Which is common. I don't mean to be complaining about the weather. It's probably you know as bad a topic as you can bring up on the weather. But it does. It just indicates when it gets dark out like that, everybody hunkers down. You don't see the neighbors anymore. You don't socialize as much. It just kind of changes at least in a winter climate, maybe those in a warmer climate don't affect a big deal. But uh, to me, it's it's early onset depression for me. Well, what what bothers me is I got a three and a half mile walk to the train, and at yep. and at night I'm more likely to be hit by uh, somebody that's like an unlicensed immigrant yep. to this yep. country. Now, do you walk uh, with the traffic or into the traffic? Because I oh, prefer I the in- on, I try to walk on the sidewalk as much as possible. But believe it or not, there's areas where there's no sidewalks, and I'm walking like along the I. I try to walk with the traffic coach. See, I don't, I don't like that because then you got the cars sneaking up from behind. I like if I'm going to get hit, if my life is going to end, or if I'm going to get seriously hurt, I want to know about it. At least I want to have a chance to get out of the way. I prefer walking into the traffic. I wonder what that psychologically says about that. I bet some psychiatrist could probably break that down. But so you'll, you'll, you're a little more trusting than I am. No, I can understand. I can understand the walking part. I just go the fastest possible way, and I just pay attention and just assume nobody knows that I'm there, anyways. Mm-hmm. No matter which direction that I'm going in. Okay. But you grew up in an era, because I know my mom told me this, because it, it totally changes. My mom was telling you're right. You're riding on the wrong side of the road. Well, back in the day, they used to tell children or bicyclists to bicycle on the left side of the highway in the traffic, and it was all that way all the way up until the mid '70s, and then they switched and said bicyclists have to. Uh, actual pedal with the traffic i don't and necessarily coaches, i don't remember that okay well it, it did it definitely was switched like in the mid 70s with the, the appropriate way for bicyclists to actually mm-hmm. what uh, bothers me as road. long as we're getting into little little pet peeves and appropriateness here is if there's a sidewalk and i don't know what the actual law is but if you're a bicycler and there's a sidewalk get your rear end and your two wheels up on the sidewalk and out of the road you see that's that's uh, another totally you're absolutely wrong about that because as a bicyclist, I'm, I don't want to be on a, on a sidewalk where you have women pushing strollers and, you know, okay. all of a sudden they're screaming at you, get off the sidewalk. Well, as a driver, I don't want you slowing traffic down on a road and I have to sneak around you with the possibility yeah. you might swerve into me and create a lawsuit for me. Uh, yeah, sorry for the freaking inconvenience. So you had to slow, <laughs> up, to, you had to slow up a little bit in your car. So sorry about that. <laughs> Oh, goodness. Well, and that's a pet peeve of mine. Just get, well, you can't have the common courtesy to learn how to drive around a, a bicycle that's six inches away from a curb. If there's a wide open sidewalk on the side. I, and I happen to think most bicyclists. And, 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 and when you're walking on the sidewalk, don't be the first person to complain why you're on the sidewalk. That's that's what we get all the time, Coach. People yelling at bicyclists everywhere we go. We're not putting any money into into the Middle East, and we're not polluting the place. We're not running people over, killing them, and we're the ones getting the abuse from it. It's, your type of attitude is what's wrong with you. That's my pet peeve. It's your attitude. Welcome to the Two Guys at a Mic show, folks. Me and the big dog and our uh, fine symmetry will be with you all week this week, five days a week, one hour a day, five and till till. Oh, goodness, you know, you know, dog. I really am trying to have fun because this, yep. was, this was a phenomenal weekend. Yes. Uh, LSU, Alabama, Woo! that game. The greatest college football game ever played without a touchdown. That's uh, interesting. I mean, uh, I mean, well, I don't know. I got to think of one that was better than that. But nine to six, coach. 
that was scintillating. It was, I, I've never seen a game where yardage was so important. They were fighting for every inch. That was a phenomenal game. The great games that you had yesterday, yet the whole thing is like, I, I just, you know, I look up at the television screen and see this Jerry Sandusky. Uh, oh boy, we got to talk this, about that one too. That, that it's one that is one of the saddest stories I can ever think yep. of ever in the history of sports. Tip of the so, iceberg, by the way. What's coming out right now? I you know I, I don't think it's going to go away. It sounds like sounds like I'm just speculating that could be a tip of the iceberg. Bigger story to come. Basically, if you don't know what happened, I'm sure everybody is out there. But Jerry Sandusky is accused of. Uh, being a pedophile and preying on mm-hmm. boys that would come to his uh, second chance, like camps, for, and it supposedly this is over like a thirty-year period. This, I mean, it's, this is really, really. And Jerry Sandusky was a great NFL offensive lineman for the old Baltimore Colts. He was a long-time, long-time, highly respected, one of the top assistant coaches. He never was a head coach, but uh, part of Joe Paterno's staff. What was he? The I think the. Offensive coordinator, the defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator for many, many years, well respected, solid, grounded. Like you said, he had his wonderful charitable organization. Uh huh. And now it comes out that uh, apparently uh, not just one or two, but like eight different situations slash allegations of uh, potential sexual abuse of minors. Ouch. And Mike McCreary, if you guys remember Mike Mike McCreary, okay, well he played at Penn State. Mm -hmm. He was the graduate assistant. He was the one that alerted everybody else in the administration about the fact that he walked into a Penn State locker room and saw him basically uh, having raping a 10-year-old boy at the time. Mm-hmm. This is Penn State's defensive coordinator. And uh, went right to Paterno. Paterno went immediately to the AD and the AD and some, another person, like the vice president or whatever, at Penn State. Basically just kept her quiet. Well. Said you can no longer, you can no longer, uh, you know, because he was no longer working at Penn State. He had retired for three years, but he was still using the facilities for his at-risk youth program. Okay, And then after that, they were like, well, you can no longer use these facilities whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Did they, they go to the authority. police at all or not? No. That's the problem. See, if, so if, both if, of these guys, are, they're getting charged with perjury, obstruction yep. of justice, all kinds of things. Yep. And they should be. This is ridiculous. Yep. If, in fact, that is true and, and they yeah. saw that act that you're describing and they and they witnessed it firsthand and they did not go to the police they just told the guy hey you're not working anymore and kept it quiet and then obviously the implication from there is that you know that the guy could do it again right well i guess i guess mike mccreary did though coach went to the police the penn state administration the ones that were like no no let's keep this on let's keep this why did it take so long to come out that's that's the part i haven't figured out I don't know either. You're talking, this was in 2002 when Mike McCurry saw him do this to a guy. So you had a, a pedophile on the loose for nine years, mm-hmm. and at this point he thinks he'll get away with anything. Mm-hmm. Under the, the and by the way, I heard a few people, and again, you want to comment on this story, you know, the college football, NFL football all over the weekend, Big Dog and the Coach at your service, here to take your phone calls, 888-463-6748, the phone number, um, you know, I've heard some say, though, well, he probably just formed this, you know, uh, organization for wayward guys or kids in trouble just so he could do his sexual abuse. I've heard a few people say, I don't think, with again, without knowing it, that not necessarily the case. What he's got is a sickness. There's no excuse for it. But it doesn't mean that the charitable group he had for so many years that did a lot of wonderful things that he didn't start that and do a lot of great work with it. I, it doesn't automatically imply that he set this whole thing up as a scam just so he could molest kids. So, you know, most likely there's like a 92% side of Jerry Sandusky who's 
phenomenal and did some great, great work with charitable organizations, helped a lot of kids. But there's that 3%, 7%, whatever you want to call it, that obviously it's a, a sickness and should have been reported a long, long time ago. Yeah, it, do you, do you, you know, agree uh, with that? Coach, absolutely. Okay. I, I agree with you. And hopefully it truly isn't like that. I was, we were going to do a haunted speech and actually a haunted tour on the Cactus. I was going to do the history of Chicago. Well, I'm going to do it next year and it's going to be like every Thursday when we give this tour. So I've been researching a lot of the most depraved people in the history of Chicago to mm-hmm. tell these stories. And obviously one of the most depraved is, is John Gacy, coach. And he, as a, like, when he was in his mid-twenties, he'd already been accused of molesting boys. And everywhere he went, whether it was Iowa or in, in Chicago, he made it a point to always be involved in it with at, at-risk youth children. Mm-hmm. Always. Everybody thought he was a good guy and helping all these kids out. Yep. And the whole entire time, from day one, his whole plan was to do that so he can rape boys. So I'm not going to say Jerry Sandusky wasn't thinking that way. Because okay. I'm, like, I'm not equating him with... With John Wayne Gacy, I don't know how sick Jerry Sandusky is, but if you're raping little boys, I, I'm not going to say that, oh, he didn't do that and didn't plan it out. He's a sick, sick individual. Coach. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we'll see. And again, I think there'll be more information coming out on that. Apparently, Joe Paterno, the icon of Penn State, oh, right now. Why? What's that? I just I feel so bad for Joe Paterno. Talk about a guy above the fray, always doing the right thing. And then this? I mean, r- Really? I'm so disgusted by this because Joe Paterno immediately supposedly went and like was like like was basically told him he can never be involved with Penn State again with the administration. So he's got to get you got to do something about this, and they did nothing. So, so gonna, when Jerry Sandusky was immediately let go, what was the explanation to the Penn State people? Well, at this point, he wasn't working with Penn State anymore. Oh. So he was kind of like a guy okay. that was using the Penn State facilities for gotcha. these children. Gotcha. And then right. they find out that he's actually committing crimes with these children on, on their campus. But then did a Joe Paterno follow up with the athletic director, follow up with Mike McCreary, dig to the bottom of the story and say, hey, you know, even though Jerry Sandusky probably one of his best friends in life, you know, something this drastic, you have to jump over that and get over that. Did Joe Paterno pursue and make sure things were being done proper? Because apparently they weren't. I have no idea, Coach. I have no idea, and I guarantee that's going to be uh, a question that will be answered by people. Mm-hmm. Seriously, that's going to be answered. Okay. And yeah. quite honestly, Joe Paterno's legacy is totally, totally on the line here. I mean, this is a guy that was the epitome of class. Like, who would ever could imagine yeah. something like this would yeah. ever happen? Let's hope. Joe it, it's going to hinder it at least a little bit. Let's hope. Because Joe Paterno has been a class act. And when you say legacy, I mean, truly one of the great legacies in the history of college football. Let's hope it doesn't diminish him a lot. The athletic director at the school, Tim Curley, already has taken a temporary um, leave of absence to battle this. And the other guy involved, I don't know if he's the assistant AD. So, so. The, the last night, last night in an emergency meeting with the board of trustees, they were let go in our meeting. Is that right? No longer. Yes. Wow. Tim they Curley, tie, so the ties have been cut in Penn State. Like you're on your own. Interesting. So they and they were like, we we want to find out the truth of what really happened is what the officials at the, the board of trustees statement okay. was. All right. Well, again, a lot more coming out on that. And again, if you want to uh, talk about it, you got some more information about it. Maybe our uh, good friends in the Pennsylvania area. Of course, they're uh, 
disappointed with that, upset with that, but excited about a big Philadelphia Eagle Bears game. But uh, give us a call. You want to comment on that, 888-463-6748. While we're on the collegiate front, on a bunch more positive tone, Big Dog, you mentioned LSU-Alabama. we got to talk about the game of the century, phenomenal defensive game. But we also need to mention my uh, Northwestern Wildcat. What a huge program win at Nebraska for the Cats. That was a big one. Yeah, I, I, I'm definitely going to watch that game this week on the Big Ten Network, Coach. You, you know, we were joking, and and you said, "What well, do the Cats have a chance?" And I'm like, "Well, you know, because they're playing football, there's a 60 minutes they have a chance." You know, I really thought it was like a 10 percent chance. I didn't think they'd actually pull it off. I would. They tackled. They shut yep. down the Nebraska offense. That was the key. The de- the defense, which has been like a sieve for a good part of the season. Uh, uh-huh. played outstanding. I mean, they, it was like, who are these guys? But they were hitting, they were tackling, they stopped, uh, what's his name, Rex Burkhead? Yes, yeah. yeah. And Taylor Martinez, by the way, he's got, he's pretty good, but boy, does he have a weird throwing motion. He just heaps yeah, if, it. If he's not throwing the bomb, Coach, he's overmatched. I mean, he's, he can throw the deep ball as well as anybody on the planet, and I'm including Aaron Rodgers. I'm not kidding. He can throw the... The deep ball, like anybody I've ever seen, he cannot, but he can't throw the ball anything less than 50 yards down the field. When he yeah. has to show some touch, he's absolutely horrendous, and his throwing motion is so ugly. So I open my phone up, and it says, uh, you know, Northwestern trailing late in the fourth quarter. So I like, immediately click on it, and I'm, I immediately, I'm like, what is the score, like 55 to 51? You know, that's what I'm thinking, Coach. Mm-hmm. If, it's, if, if that's the score of the game, it has to be Northwestern's winner. Then I see it was 28 to 18 at that point. Yeah. I was shocked. Seven to three at halftime. Seven to three. No touchdowns for Nebraska at halftime. Northwestern lost their starting quarterback, their star, Dan Persia. Kane Coulter, the star of the future, if not the present, comes in, plays a little receiver, plays quarterback, leads the team to victory, but just a, a, a big program win. That's huge for the Northwestern Wildcat program. Yeah, that was, that was absolutely huge for Northwestern. And, and like I said, in about two or three years, I'll finally be cool with Nebraska, mm-hmm. being in the big time. But, I don't want them winning the Big Ten the first year that they show up in the conference, honestly. So mm-hmm. give them two or three years of beatdowns before I really uh, consider them a, a part of the group, part of the family. Too. Another upset, by the way, in the Big Ten. I know a couple of people went to this game. Kinnick Stadium in Iowa, the Iowa Hawkeyes we talked about is Kirk Ferentz. Maybe run his course. I always thought he was a great coach, but, boy, Iowa loses to Purdue last week. They're headed downhill. Boom! Right back they come in front of a crazed crowd at uh, Kinnick Stadium. Iowa knocks off Michigan. A little controversy at the end, Big Dog, but another upset in the Big Ten. The Hawkeye win. Yeah, they uh, actually they lost to Minnesota. Losing to, losing to Purdue wouldn't be so bad. They lost to Minnesota the week before. So, yeah, yeah Iowa, that was, my, that was one of my beat the smoke picks, Coach. Had a pretty good beat the smoke pick this weekend. Uh, you know, they did it with turnovers. Denard Robinson is the best punt returner playing quarterback, but he is not a very good quarterback overall. <laughs> he may be the worst throwing quarterback I have ever seen in my lifetime. <laughs> I don't know if I'd go that far. He, I'll tell so, you what, though, from a spectator standpoint, he, the kid's fun to watch. Oh, but there's no question. If Michigan is on, you got to watch them because you yes. don't know what Denard Robinson's going to do because yep. it's going to be something spectacular. Nobody throws interception like that kid. Oh, my goodness. He throws the ball up, and like people are fair catching the ball as it comes down. It's just amazing. The ultimate so backhanded compliment. Nobody throws an interception as beautifully as Denard Robinson. 
Oh, goodness. By the way, speaking of uh, beat the Schmoes, nice bounce back weekend for yourself. You had Iowa in the upset over Michigan. You had LSU plus a couple of points over Alabama. Uh, Washington, Oregon, was that a win or loss? That was a push, Coach. First push! one all season. It was right at 17. I should have had that, too. Push! I don't even want to talk about that game. It's one of those games where I called three really good games. You were pushing. But, I was pulling. That's the problem. How did you do in the beat the Schmoes? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's move on to the next topic. Okay. <laughs> now the, the, I the, went the, I no. went one and two, and if it wasn't for a last second Baltimore Raven touchdown, I'd be sitting at zero and three. Now, here's the story of the yeah. weekend yet again, Big Doug. Producer extraordinaire David Olson. You know what's coming next? Did he go three and zero again? Three and zero. He's twenty two and five. Uh, I got him for he's twenty twenty three and seven. Against the spread over 30 games. Three, what did you have, David? The three games you picked were? You... I had San Francisco winning, uh, New York winning, and Cincinnati. Yep. yep. Yeah, you're, you've been riding the Bengals. Somebody eventually is going to catch that. I don't know when that's going to catch up to you, but you might as well ride that train all the way to Cincinnati right now. My goodness. The... You know, again, you got to start selling your picks. <laughs> or like, I'm going to. <laughs> You know what so happens though. To earlier. As give soon as he t- as soon as he takes that next step, you know what's going to happen. Well, I'm just not going to tell him. Don't search oh, me. Go to any web searches of me on the internet at any yes. time soon, David. Okay, that would please. be a better suggestion. Don't don't mess up David's mind. Let him just make his picks, and um, and then you can do whatever you want behind the scenes, and just make sure you know you pocket half the money for him. I mean, do you realize he'd be up over fifteen hundred dollars watching football if he was betting a hundred dollars a game? Twenty-three and seven against the spread. Beat wow. the schmoes. Beat the schmoes. Let's see. Caller Big John. We had a couple of emailers. I don't think any three and O's. Uh, Wisconsin John had San Diego over Green Bay. Did they cover or not? I don't. Uh, San think... Diego did not cover. They okay. were five and a half point dogs. He had Wisconsin giving up the twenty-five and a half. That's a win. Ooh, that was a that was a guaranteed cover. That was. They run downhill on you, Coach. I, I would have bet Purdue in that one. I keep riding Purdue, and I keep falling off. LSU, he had uh, plus the four and a half, so Wisconsin John went two and one, almost three and out. Yeah, well, I guess nobody beat us because we have yes. David Olsen, who's yep. basically making yep. sure no money is spent. Another wild game in college football, doll. We'll get to our NFL. Round them up and wrap them up in uh, just a couple of minutes, but Oklahoma State remains the number two team and sitting pretty. If they can win out, they will play LSU for the national championship, 52-45 to 45 over Kansas State. A great win, and we're already thinking about Oak State's offense against LSU's defense. No, yeah. I don't know how much of that game you got to watch because it was going up against the, the other great game of the night. Uh, but that Chucky Klein kid at Kansas State, the quarterback, mm-hmm. he is a baller coach just like, you know, he's – he reminds me of Josh Freeman a lot. Of Josh Freeman of the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who went to Kansas State. Huge kid, big arm, real quick feet, leader, makes plays. Uh, Kansas State's got themselves a really, really good quarterback. That was a game of the night in terms of excitement. 52-45, there was basically back and forth going down to the last possession. Kansas State had the ball on like the seven on the last play of the game when they were down seven. So that, I mean, what a ball game that ended up being. Let's, uh, uh, another game right, that, go you, ahead. That, you, that you called, Coach. I guess Dr. Jack told you to, yes. to pay attention, but Thank UCLA you. on the last play of the game beats Arizona State. Now, UCLA, yes, uh, you, you heard me right, folks. UCLA controls their own destiny in the Pac-12 South. <laughs> so, uh, 
But I, I told you it wouldn't be, uh, you know, I think Kansas State, Oklahoma State was more exciting. Alabama oh, yeah. and LSU had more riding on it. But the most intense game, and I, I tend to have a pretty good hunch for those games, Arizona State against UCLA was the most intense game. And I think uh, UCLA didn't win it on the last second. Arizona State had a field goal to win the game, and they missed the field goal. Oh. So the UCLA Bruins hang on for a 29-28 win. I have to admit, at that part of Saturday night, things were a little blurry for me at that point, Coach. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't know who was on. I just yeah. knew that. I was like, wow, 29-28, and what a game. Coach was right. So, Great, great ball game there. And um, Arkansas knocked off South Carolina 45-28. to Let me ask you, though. I alluded to it earlier. Let's, let's... Realize, Coach. What's here's that? Some people, here's some people all across the country are forgetting. Arkansas only has one loss. Yeah. Not they play LSU. Coach, they play LSU. Okay. If they beat LSU, there's a three-way tie for the SEC West okay. with Alabama, LSU, and with Arkansas. Arkansas is still in the national title. Oh. Wait, uh, no. Yes, they are. No, no, no. Why wouldn't they be? No. Arkansas, uh, certainly capable they'd be the underdog. They could beat LSU. I'll agree with the first part. But even if Arkansas wins, I don't think they can be in the national title hunt because you got Stanford, Oklahoma State, Boise State. Who says all those teams stay unbeaten? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you of all people aren't going to tell me that Oklahoma State, Boise State, Stanford all remain undefeated the rest of the season. What? Where is Arkansas ranked right now? They are in the top ten. I would have to say they're probably like fifth or sixth in the BCS ranks. Who I, I need to look at their schedule more. Now, they're in the SEC, so that means they've beaten some good teams. But but do you offhand, do you know a couple of their big wins? Uh, they just beat South Carolina. Uh, they have – well, some of these wins don't seem as big because the SEC doesn't seem as like as good as it as it used to be. It wins over Georgia. I don't think they've that's, played Florida. Yeah, but Georgia's but a good team. That's, with, that's a significant victory. Georgia's pretty good. No, actually, I think what they did not play Georgia yet. Ah. Uh, they haven't played Georgia. Uh, but if they beat Georgia, now, when they played Alabama, they got their butts handed to them. It was in Tuscaloosa, and Alabama put a beat down on Arkansas. Mm-hmm. I am by no means saying that they're going to beat uh, Louisiana State, but I'm just saying, you know, LSU still has a massive game on their schedule, Coach. They have to play it. They're playing the team that is like, hey, we're still in the national title. Okay, you know, okay. So LSU has a massive, massive game still on their radar. Does Arkansas have to play both LSU and Georgia before it's all said and done? Um, I see that Georgia's in the East. They're playing half okay. the teams in the East. I'm trying to think of who okay. they played over there. Obviously, they played South Carolina. Um, almost positive they, they played they, Tennessee, Coach. If they upset LSU and then knock off a team the likes of Georgia, then talk to me about that. Those two back-to-back, that would do it. Just the okay. upset over LSU gets them into a major bowl. I'm not ready to put them in the national championship game. Speaking of the national championships... Quick peek ahead before we go NFL here. Let's jump, uh, what is January 8th, about six weeks in advance here, whatever it might be. Oklahoma State, let's say they match up with LSU. You've seen both teams, Big Dog, the best offense in the country, Oklahoma State, versus uh-huh. the best defense in the country, Louisiana State University. Uh, open up the uh, crystal ball and tell me what happens. Uh, I, I honestly see an Oklahoma State moving the ball on LSU unlike any team has done this year. The only team in the country that could move the ball on them would be Oklahoma State, and they'll score points on LSU, Coach, because they can. Uh, LSU will play man-to-man coverage. Eric Whedon, uh, who's older than Aaron Rodgers, a guy older than Aaron Rodgers, is the quarterback of Oklahoma State. 
kid that was the number one draft pick in baseball, got a cannon for an arm, he will find the best one-on-one matchup and create huge plays for Oklahoma State. Also, something's going to happen is Oklahoma State plays at up te- upside tempo. Up tempo, they'll be moving the ball. They'll take risks with it. LSU will get defensive touchdowns. LSU would win that game because just because they're going to they're going to score on defense, they're going to mm-hmm. score on special teams. If you're scoring points on on LSU in some weird way, you're kicking the ball off to that that Jeffrey Randall kid, and so you're giving the you're giving the ball back on the forty. Anyways, it's such a strange thing. If you have to punt to LSU. You're going to lose. And by the way, the best punter in all of college football is this kid, Wing, that uh, plays for LSU. I don't know if you saw how he was just putting the ball exactly where he wanted all game. And it's funny, all my buddies are over here, and I'm like, hey, guys, you got to watch this guy. He's the best punter in all of college football. And when he did that, he unleashed an eight-yard punt. And everybody erupted in laughter. They're like, you're a moron. <laughs> That's the worst punt I've ever seen. And then I'm not kidding you, the next three punts after that, he dropped at the five. And if you If you watch the punter for LSU, he won the game. Without question, special teams, the difference was LSU over uh, over Alabama. Alabama missed, what, four field goals? And LSU had, a, what, an 86-yard punt later in the ballgame that they downed at the four-yard line? Mm-hmm. It was a pretty good game for the punter. Hard to believe. Top two teams in the country, two powerhouse ball club. We've seen games like that where one team does not score a touchdown, which is pretty shocking, but for both teams to not cross the end line was uh, pretty amazing. Great defensive battle, exciting game. Of course, it goes overtime. LSU wins it on a field goal. And, uh, boy, how about Alabama's offense in the overtime, Big Doe? They put on a good drive. The problem was it was the wrong direction. Oh, my goodness. That was How could that <laughs> McCarran kid take that sack? I was just like, throw it. Get it away. And he, oh, that, the, the game was over. I mean, they, they lost the game. And to, to be honest with you, Coach, I don't know why they attempted the 52-yard field goal. They had a better shot at getting the fourth and 20 than they did making a 52-yard field goal. Mm-hmm. That kid, should, he, he was short and wide on every single one of the kicks. You throw him out there for a 52-yarder, he might as well have punted in overtime. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I, I, just, I was like, you know, they, they, they probably should have tried it. Now, do you ever, what was the last time, was it Michigan State versus Notre Dame that a game was played so close to the sleeve. Yep. No trick plays, and you barely saw quarterbacks throw the ball more than five yards down the field. It was kind of cool because you don't see that anymore in college football. So watching it, I was just like, when's it going to happen? I was just waiting the whole game for a trick play, a reverse, you know, a hidden ball trick, something. Nothing happened. Both of those coaches played it like, hey, we don't want to lose this game. I'm not kidding you. I don't think that, that either coaching staff played to win. And it was pretty funny is after the game – I think I hit Les Miles right out of the head. He was like, oh, that was a good one, wasn't it? So how, how did so-and-so do I? I don't know. I'll have to see. It was just cracks me up, Coach. Les Miles has no clue how they won the football game. <laughs> but his teams keep winning. And when yeah. I say winning, they, they you know winning national champion. The guy's unbelievably successful. People think he uh, is still pretty much of a simpleton. I'm, I'm beginning to think Les Miles might be a little bit better than we think. Yeah, I, coach, I, I'm really, I, I've always liked Les Miles and I've always made fun of him for being mm-hmm. kind of stupid, but I, but I've always liked him. Mm-hmm. I think he's, like I said last week, he's dumb as a fox. Yep. So. Yep. Great game. Nine to six LSU wins. Possibility. Things fall into place. Possibility the two could rematch uh, for the national championship game. We'll see how it unfolds. In the next couple of weeks, we'll talk more college football. we got to get to the NFL, round them up, wrap them up. Before we do, Big Dog, a little transition in between the two. I'll mention real quick the uh, greatest day in racing in the United States and the world, really, the Breeders' Cup. There were a lot of horses from uh, overseas as well, but I don't know if you were able to catch any Breeders' Cup action in the middle of a very busy weekend. Did you watch any? 
Yeah, well, I didn't get, didn't get to watch any, but a couple of my friends, actually, and my brother emailed me and got the, got the pics that my guy got. Phenomenal. Everybody cleaned up house. My, one of my buddies won about $4,000 this wow. weekend at uh, the Breeders Club. So, uh, now immediately the guy, the guy that handed me this, like, you know, you're going to have to pay for this information from now on, which made me laugh. Made me laugh. He got, yeah. he had a good, a real good three days, and now I have to yeah. pay for the information, yeah. which I didn't even use in the first spot. Yeah. And as soon as so. you pay for it, he's going to have a real bad three days. I can almost guarantee <laughs> that part. Yeah. yeah. There were some great, great races, uh, even some of the, uh, you know, lower level races. Some of the non marquee races were very, very good. But the actual Breeders' Cup, the best of the best, the top uh, horses was a, a thriller, Drosselmeyer. I think was the horse's name. Drosselmeyer, ridden by Michael Smith, wins, and he passes up Game On Dude. Written by female jockey Chantel Sutherland. Great finish, exciting. Congrats to Drosselmeyer. What was kind of interesting, Big Dog, is we read later, I didn't know it at the time, but apparently Mike Smith and Chantel Sutherland had gone out. Boyfriend slash girlfriend for like two and a half years. She was dating the horse? Pardon me? She was dating the horse? No, no, no. Mike Smith, the jockey, and Chantel oh. Sutherland. Oh. Yeah. oh now, I don't oh. know. Drosselmeyer and Game On Dude. I think Game On Dude, a female horse. What do they call it? A gelding? Uh the two of them could have had a little soiree no, yeah. in, in the backyard barn. I don't know about that. But we do know the two jockeys uh, a gelding, had a... Huh? A gelding is not a female horse. Oh, That's gelding is castrated. Yeah, it's, it's a basically... I should know this because I'm a horse racing fan. A female horse is a... Philly. <laughs> <laughs> is a foal? A filly. Yes, filly. Thank you, Big Dog. Thank you. I should be embarrassed that I don't know that, but quite frankly, I'm no, not. no. It's kind of. I just, I just. Well, yeah. How often do we get gelding talk? I don't think I'll ever get to say eunuch again on the <laughs> airway. <clears throat> Love gelding. We've had, we've we've had some quality gelding talk in the past. I, I, I may another. I may recall some. But yeah. We're going to talk eunuch in the past. Oh, yeah. I, I want to bring up like Tony Stewart's name if that's involved. <laughs> Too bad they can't geld some pro athletes, huh? <laughs> Probably would help. But anyhow, so the two of them, the two jockeys, the the guy jockey passes up the girl jockey to win, and the two of them uh, had had a apparently not-so-wonderful breakup after going out for about two and a half years. So that was kind of an interesting little human interest tidbit. It's, it's extremely difficult to uh, actually date somebody that's real, real proficient with a riding crop, Coach. Well, it has its benefits as well. I'm not sure what those are. Works both ways. Okay. Works both ways. Uh, how about them bears? Well. <laughs> 888-463-6748, the phone number. Let's transition to NFL football. Do the round em up wrap em up in a second. We got Bears Monday Night Football tonight, Big Dog. For some weird reason, I'm not as excited as I should be. Normally, I, you know, big Monday Night matchup, it's a great match. I don't know if it was the bye last week, but I'm... I'm trying to get the needle to move up, but for some reason, I don't know if this is happening to you. I, I'm not as excited as I should be. Uh, well, you know what? It's you know because you got a life. You know, there's so much other stuff more important than other. You know, a bunch of millionaires playing a sport. So yeah. I can understand your tempered enthusiasm, Coach. But I, I think they have a chance. I, I know normally historically the Bears on the road Monday Night Football against good teams get destroyed. I just have I have a good feeling about this game. Everybody's pretty much counted them out everywhere. Everybody's picking the Eagles. I, I like the Bears in this game. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a matchup between between a team that's underachieving and a team that's overachieving. So it could go either way. Mm-hmm. It all depends. Yeah, it, 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 it all depends. 
You think the Bears are overachieving so far this year? Absolutely, I do. Yeah, I think absolutely, it's accurate. You look at their talent base. I would agree. With, I was a little surprised to hear Dave say that, but you know what? I think that's right. Most people would probably disagree. No, I, I think I, well, if it wasn't for their offensive coordinator, because to me, just the fact that Mike Martz is part of the organization and calling plays, they, it's very hard for them to overachieve. So. Well, I mean, you got a you, you got a running back that's playing great right now. Quarterback who's still a question mark. The receiving core, you know, I love the guys, but I mean, if, if you're totally objective, they're below average. The offensive line's below average. The defensive line, average. Could you really yeah, say well, they're a little bit? They're a little bit better than average, slightly. Bit, but, but but the thing is, they had all the they, they all the problems they're having this year. They had last year, and they did nothing. To address them in the off season, I mean, Roy Williams isn't an answer. That was that, that, that was that was a shot in the dark, hoping it was going to pan out. You know, they did the problems that the Bears are having are no different than the ones they had all last season. Well, they did draft. The biggest problem was O line, and they did draft. Everybody said, "Oh, they didn't address their problem." Well, they drafted a first round pick at their weakest spot, so they did address that particular thing. Now the guy got injured. That didn't help. Yeah, well- yeah, well, he's not going to be playing today, Gabe Cremini. Right. Uh, Cremini. He's not going to play today. He's not, not going to start. He might come off the bench. No, he's, he's inactive. Uh, he's going to be inactive today. Earl Bennett my, is active. My sources but, uh, tell me he'll be active, but go ahead. Okay, well, yeah, my sources, which were about 957, his name is Mike George. <laughs> Cloudy, let me know that. Let, let Coach know that uh, Earl Bennett will be active. So it's kind of funny, Coach. Earl Bennett, which is just an average NFL receiver, is by far their biggest weapon. Uh, yeah. in the receiving spot. Yeah. So they get him back, and hopefully we can get a guy to move the chains uh, every once in a while. That'd be nice. And uh, Now, this Shady McCoy, LaShawn McCoy, who was one of the finest running backs in college when he was at Pittsburgh, well, he's playing for Philadelphia, and he scored a touchdown in every game this season. Mm-hmm. He's playing way – he's up in the the Matt Forte level of running backs right now in the, in the NFL. So mm-hmm. the Bears have their hands full on defense. Uh, they have a handful on offense, but – I don't know, for some time it'll be like, Hester's going to return a kick, Erlacher's going to get it, like a touchdown or something. I just have a feeling the Bears win tonight's game. I have a real strong feeling about it, Coach. So. I haven't even mentioned the uh, supposed star of the Philadelphia Eagles, the always uh, exciting anyways, Michael Vick, their quarterback. And I know in the past, Lovey Smith, the Bears coach, Big Dog, has had um, good success. Lovey, of course, conducts the defense, but he's he's done a nice job in three or four matchups against Michael Vick, bottling him up. Hopefully that carries over to tonight. Yeah, there's a, the Bears have a really, really fast defensive line historically, and now it's only faster now with Henry Melton, who needs to make some plays this week. Henry Melton, our guy, coach, yep. has not been good the last couple of weeks. Agreed. He needs to step back up. And uh, like Adonage and, and Julius Peppers, these guys are really fast for six foot six guys. Okay, so it, it, you have to have some type of speed in order to keep uh, Vic in front of you. And the Bears play—they don't play any man, coach. They all they play all coverage and they play the Eagles. They play that cover to keep Michael Vick in front of him, so he can't like have have you go man to man and then just unleash a bomb down the field to Deshaun Jackson or let everybody run down the field and he breaks away on a run when everybody's back is turned. Mm-hmm. Erlacher is going to be uh, going to be spying on him. So yeah, Lovey Smith has done a good job of game planning, but it's basically the Bears' regular game plan and the way the defense is set up, which gives the, the Eagles fits. Bears, of course, had a bye week, so they've been off for two weeks, actually, with the Monday night game. Now, more than two weeks, uh, you know, there's two schools of thoughts on that. 
you know, rested. They got time to game plan, et cetera, et cetera. The other school, we've seen it happen before. You get a little rusty. It takes a while for you to get going. Your gut feeling, the bye week against the Eagles, how do the Bears come out tonight? Um, yeah, I forgot the bye week. That's the, the Bears have historically been overmatched after the bye week. I don't know what it is. They have Levy Smith and these guys have not handled the bye week properly, though, so that does not benefit the Bears whatsoever. That's my gut feeling. It okay. doesn't help. Sometimes it's uh, giving a coaching staff of potentially limited uh, expertise too much time to game plan. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I, I guarantee we've seen that with other coaching staffs, with the Bears. And, there's, and then there's people like Andy Reid, who off of the bye week is yes. 13-0 and 0 with the Eagles. Last yep. week they, they played after the bye week, and the Eagles looked like there was the greatest show on turf again. So, mm-hmm. it was, you know, now everybody is, oh, yeah, the Bears don't have a chance. Right when the Eagles played great last week, I was like, this is good for the Bears. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Be interesting to uh, see. Any Bear fans out there, you want to give us a call? Your thoughts on the big game, Monday Night Football, yet again for the Chicago Bears, 7.30 tonight, ESP of the end, 888-463-6748, our phone number, Big Dog, without further. Joseph Adu, are you ready for our NFL roundup, wrap-up, as we alluded to? Uh, one of the better, if not the best Sunday of NFL football thus far. Uh, I am absolutely ready, Coach, so spit it out. Are you sitting down? No, I'm walking around. Okay, cool. I'm just trying to get a visual. Upstairs okay. or downstairs? Uh, I'm in the I'm in the rec room with all the banners, all the championship banners and stuff. Ah, okay. Here. So you got a nice little sports scenario around you. Oh, absolutely, okay. Coach. I'm, right now I'm looking at a picture of Ryan Sandberg. He looks majestic. Roommates, girlfriend, family, pet, anybody in the area, or are you going solo? No, the other roommates are just sitting here listening to the show. They don't. They don't. They usually don't like what I say, even like what you say. But today they got to listen to what I'm saying and not what you're saying. <laughs> But when they're listening, are they listening in another room, or are they watching you conducting the show? No, no, they're looking at me right now. I'm making eye contact with somebody. Oh, boy, that's it's, see, it's that's hard. So you, you're actually making your comments with people right there looking at you? Yes, go ahead. Oh, that's tough. That can be very disconcerting. I'm, I've, I've gained an, an all-new respect for your uh, concentration levels. Well, these people are self-medicated, Coach. I really don't know how much <laughs> they can comprehend right now. Self-medicated on a Monday at 1045? <laughs> Well, it's, you know, it's 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 10:45 p.m. somewhere, Coach. <laughs> what was the expression? You can't drink all day if you don't start early in the morning. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, here we go. NFL roundup up, right? But let's start with the, one of the best games of the day: the Green Bay Packers. They do it again. Eight no, fourteen consecutive wins over the two year uh, two year period. Big dog, forty five to thirty eight over San Diego. Great comeback by the Chargers late. It got close. Highly entertaining game. Bottom line. Packers win yet again. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, what, 21 to 26 for Woo. four touchdowns, 247 yards, like in that area. Just absolutely dominant again. The, the Packers was really, really good. They, the, the defense carried them early. They had two interception returns for touchdowns in, in a matter of moments in the, in the first half. And, and then the, basically they just cruised the victory after that. But the Chargers didn't make it interesting near the end, coach. So, Chargers and, have lost uh, I, three in a row now, Big Dog. Their record down to four and four. Uh, a lot of talent there. Bounce back, or are they mired in mediocrity once again? Well, the Chargers, don't forget, are in a division where the Chiefs yeah. just got pummeled by an 0-7 Miami Dolphin team that was showing no signs of life. I guess they played kind of tough against the Giants last week. And an Oakland team that has Carson Palmer on there, who, who knows how good Carson Palmer is considering – uh, what they gave up for him and how long he sat out. 
the Chargers are not out of it, and it's the backhand accomplishment. But just because they're in such a horrid division right mm-hmm. now, they could find themselves playing January football coach. And the type of team that could get hot and uh, pull off a St. Louis Cardinals, win three in a row, win the Super Bowl. I Stranger things have happened. Char- uh, the Chargers don't have it in them because their defense is not good enough to go on any type of one is, like that. Is Northwestern's Luis Castillo still in the middle of that San Diego defense? Well, well, it's funny that you say that because normally he starts on the nose, but he normally ends up right in the middle, like in between the, the free safety and the middle linebacker when there's running plays. Mm-hmm. As a Northwestern fan of Luis Castillo's part of that defense, they're capable of uh, getting on a run to go to the Super Bowl. All right, game two, New York Giants knock off New England. Another great football game. Giants pull it out in the end, 24-20. to Tom Brady had a big game dog passing all over the field. 342 yards, pay dirt a couple of times, but the Giants come back. Eli Manning, what, about 20 seconds left? Passes to Jake Ballard for the game-winning touchdown. A big program win for the New York Giants. Who would ever have thought a Manning would be underrated, Coach? But it's just people are starting to realize now they're like, wow, Eli's having a ridiculous season. He beat Tom Brady in Foxborough, Coach, and he played a phenomenal game again. He's been doing it all season long. So Eli really has taken that next step. And you know, The Giants are pro- – I know everybody's saying the Eagles are the team that, that can beat the, the Packers in the NFC, but – I really think it's the, the the Giants. If anybody can beat the Packers, it would be the Giants because they can get a pass rush. Mm-hmm. And Eli Manning right out can play some quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. Got a couple of good running backs. Absolutely, the Giants, which early on people thought, oh, boy, this could be downhill time for the Giants. All of a sudden they've caught fire here at the midway mark. All right, game three, speaking of a team that's caught fire, the San Francisco 49ers. They're not doing it in any kind of electric or sexy way, big dog, but all they do is continue to win. The recipe is there. Frank Gore, 100 yards, fifth game in a row. Alex Smith, don't make mistakes, move the team down the field, field goal here, field goal there, occasional touchdowns, and surprisingly good defense, the 49ers, 19. The Redskins 11. Uh, Patrick Willis is just a man flying around the field, causing fumbles, hitting people. Their middle linebacker uh, for the 49ers, he's good, Coach. He's one of the better defensive players in the game that you don't hear too much about. Uh, 49ers are for real. Uh, they've turned it around. Harbaugh is one heck of a coach. So uh, they're definitely for real, Coach. They're, they Have they won that division mathematically yet? Just wondering. Not yet, but darn close to it. 49ers, surprise team of the year. Harbo, one heck of a coach. Coaching turnaround, incredible. All three of those quotes, by the way, are courtesy of head coach Jim Harbo. That's nice to know. Thank you very much. Does he have a vote for uh, coach of the year? He is definitely way, way up on the charts. I can't, I, I can't see anybody else that, that has such mm-hmm. a surprise season. As the 49ers, and typically that's how, that's how you award it. Would you put uh, Tony uh, Tony Spatano, the Miami Dolphin coach, after winning yesterday? Does his name get put in the uh, the team picture? Uh, well, he's definitely on the walls of pictures that people are shooting <laughs> at in Miami. Just that not. guy does. I, I, he will not be the coach during the 2012 season. That's, yeah. There's. He'll finish the season, but he won't be the coach Some next late, year. Some late-breaking news coming from David Olson. It might be about Drosselmeyer, the horse. It might be about Jerry Sandusky, the sexual allegations, or the two stories possibly are combined. Yes, David? No, no, no. I was just looking, ah, at, the sta- I was looking at the standings, seeing when San Francisco can mathematically win the division. 
because they're sitting at seven and one, and the Seahawks and Cardinals are two and six. A couple of weeks, they could wrap oh, it up. Okay. A couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And a couple of weeks, there's still a lot of football to be played. I mean, we're only yeah, actually, halfway, they're halfway done. Yeah. They were halfway done. Okay, so at eight games ago, they have a five-game lead, so they could clinch it on the on their eleventh game. Uh, yeah, yep. mathematically, yes. <laughs> that's, a, that's taking a, control of your division. When you, don't, when you have five games and you've already wrapped up your division, uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, so yeah, I would have to say Hobba definitely in the lead for Coach of the Year. Jim Schwartz, the, the Detroit Lions, would be the other guy, Coach. Yep, a lot of football still so. to be played. In fact, we won't have time today, but uh, do your homework tomorrow, Big Dog. I'll ask my annual question. I do it every season. I love this one. And, you know, at the halfway mark, a team or a couple of teams that are looking awfully good right now that are pick of the litter and that are going to falter a little bit, and then a team, and there always is one. You just got to figure out which one. Maybe a couple teams that you know nobody's thinking about right now that all of a sudden come playoff time, they're going to be looked at as the surprise team in the second half. Don't answer me that now, but uh, that will come up tomorrow. Denver knocked off Oakland. Big dog, Tim Tebow. He's won two out of three games. Hasn't been pretty, but uh, getting it done. They run the option offense. College style, 117 yards on the ground for Tebow. Big game for Willis McGahee, and somehow, some way, the Bronco win yet again. Uh, yeah, Tebow played all right. He was uh, had a couple touchdown passes too. It wasn't just that you know he was on the ground coaching. It's a it's a little bit different option. That uh, like it's not like the old style college option. You know, the triple option. You you go to the end and you pitch it off them. It's you know a little different. It's, you know the read option. Put the guy and now the running back. I mean the quarterback could actually run between the tackles. So you got to like pinch down and it creates running lanes for all the other running backs. I mean it's unlike anything that's ever been in the NFL ever. And if I get you know, Cam Newton can do this if he wanted to also, but Cam Newton can actually throw the ball. Mm-hmm. So if Tebow ever does get a, a, the, the ability to consistently get the ball to an area that he wants to get it to, the game will slow down for him, and mm-hmm. he can be a viable quarterback in, in the NFL. Very good. Very good. Talking about uh, hot teams, the Cincinnati Bengals, maybe even more amazing than the San Francisco 49ers. Five wins in a row. They beat Tennessee 24 to 17. Andy Dalton quietly having another good ball game. Big dog, three touchdown passes and the Bengal defense. That's the real story. The Bengal defense has been tough. Another bad game, by the way, for the multi-million dollar man, Chris Johnson. Yeah, that's, uh, they paid that guy a fortune, a king's ransom. And he hasn't had one good game this whole entire season, Coach. It's uh, just just be leery of paying running backs because I like people who run hungry and run angry. I don't like guys that get run that are totally full, fat, and don't have to worry about their family eating ever mm-hmm. again. Okay. All right, Dallas knocked off Seattle 23-13, to a guy that's been running hungry. How about uh, the rookie? Out of, I believe, Oklahoma, his second great game in a row, DeMarco Murray firing up the Dallas Cowboy. Yeah, he's got some oomph, Coach. You know, he was a great player at at Oklahoma, a phenomenal player when he was with the Sooners. So I, I don't I don't think it's as much of a shock as people are saying when you know he's playing so well. But he's got some serious bursts, like that one step where he can just turn a corner or get past people and blow right by you. That's that's the that's the one thing that makes him different and, and great right now. How about Arizona knocking off St. Louis? The game went overtime. I have not seen the highlight yet, but apparently, what, a 99-yard punt return? I got that right. Patrick Patterson brings the Arizona Cardinal home in a game that uh, very few people were watching. Yeah, one of the one of the smartest draft picks this whole entire year was uh, was the Cardinals taking Patrick Peterson with, like, the third or fourth overall pick. Coach. What, uh, what Was he an LSUer? 
He was at LSU. He played okay. weak corner over there, went down there and played lockdown for three years, and then leaves it after his junior year like they all do at LSU. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's uh, and and he he's absolutely dominant. When he came out, the reason why I was like, you know, you should take this guy that high was because even if he was an average corner for the first couple seasons of his career, which he's not, he's he's pretty good. You knew you were going to get a good punt returner. That's his third punt return for a touchdown this season, Coach. It's phenomenal. And when you receive a ball at the one yard line in overtime that had five point two seconds of hang time. You had better get a very long return because that coach is about to kill you. There was, honestly, in overtime you field the ball at the one yard line. That's probably surprised the return. The coverage guys were running down, probably not in full mental stability, thinking, "All right, the guy's not gonna, you know, nobody's gonna be dumb enough to field it at the one." And you know, you have that little mental lapse if you're not at full mental and obviously physical stability on that kick return, punt return situation. You give it up. Maybe that's what happened. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's exactly what happens, Coach. You got guys going down there. It's overtime. They're totally exhausted, yep. and they're like, "Okay, all right, I can take a breather on this one." Whoa! Next thing you know, Patrick <laughs> Peterson, who runs a four-three, is flying past you with the football, and you don't have a chance at this point. Final game to talk about, real quick, before we wrap it up. Big dog and a coach at your service. Two guys at a mic show. Talkzone.com. The Baltimore Ravens knock off Pittsburgh. Thriller game here. They win it at. Pittsburgh, ouch for the Steeler fans, 23-20. to Joe Flacco with a touchdown pass late to who? Torrey, Torrey Smith, Smith, I think, was the gentleman's name. Yeah, right a, a great game and a huge uh, comeback win for the Raven. Yeah, they sweep the series against the, against the Steelers this year. And the Steelers, you, can't, you just can't get a hold of them. The Steelers and Ravens this year, once you think you know what type of team they are, the next week they either go and obliterate it or, or, or rise above it. I don't know how it's been that year, so... Both those teams are making the playoffs. So the AFC North, though, also has the Bengals in it. I would that, that I was going to bring that point up. Both those teams are not necessarily making the playoffs, and this game could keep the Steelers out of it because they've lost to the Ravens twice. Okay, Cincinnati's okay. sitting on top of the division, six and two. Baltimore's right there at six and two. Pittsburgh's now six and three. Okay, um, two two of those teams are going to make it. One of those teams is not. Why? Who's in the? Uh, what do you well, got? Well, you've got. Well, you've got the. Yeah, you've got the other wild card teams with the Jets and who? You've got the Jets Buffalo. and Bills both sitting at five and three. Okay, you got the Texans there leading their division. You also got the Tennessee Titans there at four and four. Yeah, so there's still a decent likelihood that you could get three teams out of that division, but but it's not automatic. It's it's it, 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 it's, it's likely, but mm, so, the, so that loss, that touchdown pass that, by that, Joe that, could, that this one can come back to okay. bite the Steelers in the ass. Okay. Wow. Pit, well, we gotta, we gotta, I was gonna say Pittsburgh fans, if they don't make the playoffs, could be suicidal. We gotta sign off, Big Dog. We'll talk more tomorrow. Have a great day and let's cheer the Bears on, okay? Go Bears, Bear Dog. There it is. Big Dog and a coach back at tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Have a great day, everybody. Monday night football tonight.